Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to Horus Hour. I'm your host, Sing. With me, as always, my venerable Sigilite, Varela. Hello there. Varela, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. How's the weather in sunny Portugal? Uh, I couldn't tell. My window's now closed. I'm no longer in a cupboard, which is always good. Uh, but I think it's sunny. <laughs> I can see some light. <laughs> so they let you out the cupboard after uh, all this time. Yeah, they let me out of the cupboard, but they locked me in a just slightly bigger room. Padded, perhaps. Nice padded cell. Yeah. It's like, Magnus did his stuff wrong, man. And they're like, you're crazy. Into the into the madhouse you go. Who even is Magnus? What are you talking about? I'm telling yeah. you, he destroyed the golden throne. <laughs> just in a constant state of fever dream where you think the Horus Heresy is really happening. Speaking yeah. of fever dreams, <laughs> today's book, Vulcan Lives. Um... As always, thank you to our Patreons for helping support us in uh, acquiring the books so that we can talk about them and just ruin them for you. But uh, yeah, let's talk about Vulcan and the Salamanders. Varela, what did you make of this book? Uh, Well, you've already said it. It was like a fever dream. I didn't know what was going on. I felt like... I was getting infiltrated by the Alpha Legion, essentially. I, like, I, I was just confused. Uh, but, you know, the, the small tidbits of information that, that were just gathered, you know, eventually formed the whole picture. And I thought I thought that concept was pretty cool. You know? So you enjoyed it? Yeah, That's I enjoyed it. Good. Because you kind of stumbled out of Deliverance Lost, not really knowing what to make of it. But this book, this book you enjoyed. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So did I. Um, I thought it was uh, a unique novel looking at how broken, not just Vulcan, but also obviously the Shattered Legionaries are. After Isfam, we've done a couple of short stories about them. This is kind of it in a bit of a more of a long form uh, about the Salamanders again, you know, their identity has sort of been lost with their Primarch and now they're trying to regain that over the course of a book and find some belief in themselves and in the fact that Vulcan lives, uh, run credits. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a really strong story with a lot to a lot to talk about because of how vast the story is. We've got, you know, got Vulcan doing one thing and then with another Primarch and then we've got or a couple of other Primarchs, depending on how you look at it. And then you've got his sons off on another completely different planet, just looking for some vengeance. And then you got Isfin 5. <laughs> yep, as always. This must be like the eighth time I've got Isfin 5 now. But, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I like that we're getting sort of a complete picture of Isfin 5 from everyone's perspective. But at the same time, they're given what's been established in the black books which are like the big horus heresy tabletop rules with loads of nice juicy lore um some of the stuff in about isfam 5 in this book doesn't really make any sense and as a military historian didn't really make any sense um because of how the battle would have played out but we can we can nitpick that but ultimately isfam 5 was pretty cool um so yeah right Varela, are you ready for some drama? I'm ready. I'm always ready. Okay. Now, when I say drama, this is all in in uh, 
good humour. And I'm going to also give him a shout out. There's a YouTuber who's been on the scene not very long, uh, but he's a lot. He's doing great. He's doing numbers. He's called Arbiter Ian. Uh, he does great videos. Highly recommend you check him out. And he recently did a video called along the lines of rating every book in the Horus Heresy. I was like, okay, cool. I want to see someone else's opinion on this because obviously we do our own ratings. And he's going along and he's sort of giving the scores you'd expect to give. He gives, um, you know, Horus Rising, False Gods, very high marks out of five. A really um, low mark on No No Fear, obviously, right? Uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it just, just makes it sweeter when you give it a high rating uh, when we finally cover it. Uh, yeah, and he's doing it and then he gets to... Uh, he gets to, I think he covers a, he, he covers the, he also does all the anthologies, right? So he gets to the anthology that the short story we covered last week was in, the short story Forgotten Sons. And he says the Forgotten Sons by Nick Kime is a, uh, is a, is a good short story. And that's the last positive review this author's getting. And I was like, sort of spit take. I'm like, hang on, hold up. And then he gets to the Salamanders. And he gets to Vulcan Lives, because that's the first of three Salamanders novels that are currently in the Heresy. He gives it one out of five. And I'm like, wow, okay. And then he's like, and I'm going to keep that mark for the other two. And he had his reasons. He doesn't like Primark point of view, and etc. And I don't really want to speak for him too much. But I was like, wow, okay, boy, I'm going to respectfully disagree. But he, he does banging videos. And so I will say, check him out. And the video he did rating the Horus Heresy books is really good as well. But yeah, it was really interesting to see that Vulcan Lives and the other Salamanders books got such low marks from him. Whereas I think I'd probably give Vulcan Lives a really strong um, mark because of... Just sort of because, because of a Primark point of view, I think. I think Vulcan is made into a really interesting character. And I think... We'll go into the Thursday ratings. I think some people were... Sorry, that kind of sounded like I was insinuating there was someone in particular. But I think what I sort of gather looking around is a few. Uh, uh, some people perhaps were hoping that Vulcan Lives would do for the Salamanders what like Prospero Burns and Thousand Sons did for those factions, which, it didn't necess- which Vulcan Lives didn't necessarily do. I don't know how you found how you found sort of the salamanders in this book. Rather, did they come off as a stereotype or bland, or did you think there there was a good amount of character in there? I mean, definitely not bland. And there's the always that stereotype of oh, let's keep the the, the weaker the weaker boys alive, right? But all, all in all, I think it added a lot of depth, but depth not depth <laughs> depth to uh, to the salamanders because you can see that you know they're hit by Isfan 5 and they react in their own way that isn't really uh, what they usually do, I guess. Instead of becoming teddy bears, they became grizzly bears for a while, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, there's a human character that rolls with them for most of a novel and they're constantly wanting to kill him, which is kind of the opposite and of what they were. I wouldn't say it like subverted my expectations, but I don't I guess what I would say is that the Salamanders didn't have a terrible stereotype to begin with. Yeah. Really. I think they were they're a pretty strong chapter in 40k. You know, they're different because they care, I guess. But um 
Do you want to do our ratings, Varela, or do you want to get some inspiration from uh, our listeners first? I'm alright with either. You, you, let's you get so see. let's see what the people say and see if it has any effect on us. Because um, I I know roughly where I'm going to line up. I know what the first number is. It just depends what the decimal place is going to be. Okay, let's go for it. I'll write, run them out quickly. Um, D'Angelo six 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 says um, solid eight. He he Vulcan is the best, and has I think basically trying to sort of transcribe the message here has. Um, sort of a range of emotions uh, and he has the best hugs which is true, salamanders do give out the best hugs um, unless they're climbing a tree I don't know if Varela gets that reference it's gone over his head it might have it's a reference to our Hunger Games video we did on uh, oh right, Patreon. well he did give a really solid hug there, uh, maybe uh, too yeah. solid a beefy hug Check that out on Patreon. You will not be disappointed. Um, Geeks with Shields podcast have come through again with a 6 out of 10. So I did ask them to elaborate a little bit. Um, they said, all the flashbacks to Vulcan and Kurz are really interesting. Uh, they always like to see the Primarchs together pre-heresy, which is true. We get a lot of that. And it is quite it is quite um, uh, sort of entertaining, that part. Uh, Vulcan's slow descent into madness is also great. Um, but a lot of the rest of the story drags on and didn't make much impact and he said they're struggling to remember what else happened well don't worry we get to the spoiler section we'll cover you we got you um, but yes yeah, so we've got six out of ten there already sort of kind of a good range of, of marks coming in uh, peaky 27 says awesome book really enjoyed the torture chapters give a completely different perspective of primarchs plus it continued the ongoing story of grammaticus uh, Gra- Grammaticus's involvement on behalf of the mysterious cabal. It's got a 9 out of 10 for me, and he's looking forward to this episode. Thank you for the kind words, and yeah, it's a, that's a strong review from you. I appreciate the detail you've gone into. Um, someone someone did uh, say to me, why didn't you cover Legion first? And as, um, as stated in the Deliverance Lost episode, that is my bad. Um, for not putting Legion on the list earlier, but it will be covered, I promise. Um, so yeah, we're kind of we've kind of skipped ahead a little bit with John Grammaticus, um, and I'll try not to give away anything from Legion to Varela. Um, Dylan, one of our Patreons, gave it a seven out of ten. He thought it was an okay listen. Great interaction between Kurz and Vulcan. The uh, the end had him in all sorts. Yeah, the ending was full of a lot of twists and turns, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was very confused on, um, one of, one of the three endings, isn't it? Cause there, there's three stories. Yeah. I was a little bit confused on one, but we'll get to it. Yeah. I don't know. I think Grammaticus might need a rat mark to be honest. Um, after that shit you pulled at the end, but we'll get into that in the spoiler section. Okay. Here we go. He, as always, he likes to say that he enjoys listening to me try and pronounce his name. I, I think I'm getting closer. Is Yian Sipolinski? Ah, oh, that one felt really far, mate. <laughs> no, no, no. I reckon it is Yian. Um, he's me and him are teaming up to make Varela an Ultramarine fan. I can feel it coming. Um, <laughs> he says nine point one. Ooh, the pace of the book went up and down a bit, but I didn't notice that on my first read through. The Kurz Vulcan arc was superb. 
and the rest of the novel held up its end of a deal too. Numion, Grammaticus and Narek are some of my very favourite characters of the entire Horus Heresy. Yeah, I think having I've read most of sort of Grammaticus's journey now. I didn't even know he was going to show up in this one, uh, but that kind of makes sense. The yeah, I think he's a really interesting character, and I don't know. I felt I thought the pacing felt good. Um, it's we're sort of at the stage of a Horus Heresy where every novel is about thirteen hours as an audiobook, so that it didn't really feel particularly slow or drag on to me. Um, Sam Kearns says strong seven, seven or eight. Uh, I feel it's the best Salamanders book in the Hor- in the Heresy era. Yeah, well, we haven't covered the we haven't covered the other ones, so it's tough for us to make that call. I think it's certainly the best Salamanders content we've had so far. Most we've had a look at it, you know, in, in terms of what we've covered on the podcast. And well, it's one hundred percent the best Salamanders book so far, at least. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, and Heretic Bob comes in. Was going to say eight point five for me. I love the torture scenes. And some great insights into the personalities of two interesting Primarchs. I wonder. He says he loves the torture scenes. Hopefully, like the impact of the torture scenes. Yeah, no, like, there, there's a couple yeah. questionable, like, <laughs> oh, I like the torture scenes here. <laughs> he is a heretic. He is a heretic. <laughs> you know, if you put a heretic in your name, I guess anything slides. And I love me some revelations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult for us because we, you're. I've skipped around a lot of the books in a way and you're you're a wiki monster so you probably knew a lot about like Vulcan going into and his abilities and etc going into this book so that's and not really a surprise I knew about his abilities there's a couple of things that he pulls out that I, I didn't know though um, but yeah that's true that's true and the final one comes from our discord with Lord Doran really didn't like this one the salamanders aren't portrayed in a novel and interesting way in any of the Salamanders books, to be honest. Uh, that is either different from 40k or believable in 30k, but are really bland and boring. Going to give it a four. I mean, i got to respect someone who gets an opinion and they deliver on it, you know. Not, you know, you don't always have to be Mr. Positivity. Some, you know, there's got to be a scale somewhere, right? And, uh, yeah, I think we can, we'll talk about the Salamanders a little bit, um, going into the spoilers section, their identity... Um, personally I thought they were pretty good but I think they sort of share a sort of personality that goes with all the Shattered Legions so going forward we'll have to see if they can they you know they can do them justice at least in our opinion so with all the listener ratings out there on the table Varela what are you scoring Vulcan Lives I'm going to make you go first oh, damn. because you always just one up me damn uh, I'll give it. Mm, I'll give it an eight point two, eight point three. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Because I'm gonna give it a seven point nine. Damn. Should have gone with eight. Uh, <laughs> I don't. For me, it wasn't quite enough to break the eight. Um. I. I mean, my ratings are probably if someone actually counted them all, are probably all over the place. And maybe when we do that. When we finally, you know, do the when it finally comes out and the podcast ends with that final Siege of Terror novel, then maybe what we should do is we should go back, get all our ratings, and we'll do a special where we look at all our ratings just to see how much I was winging it. 
and how much you were just one upping me. But you've managed to do. You've managed to what? Three up me. Four you up know, maybe you. Maybe four up me. So there you go. Um, yeah, seven point nine for me. Um, I thought it was good. I think it's. I'm kicking myself because I think it would have broken an eight if I hadn't known stuff about Vulcan. I did going into it. So that is on me, but still got to go with my gut. 7.9. Um, and I got to clear the palette for next season so that we've got something to work off a little bit. Um, right. Time for us to move into the spoilers. Okay. Let's talk Vulcan Lives. Last time we did a novel, I ruined it by jumping to the very end and sort of just, you know, Istvan 5, the, the whole timeline. Um but what would probably be best, Varela, so I think is if we've got three distinct timelines slash storylines here, right? Yeah. We've got you, you got Vulcan go on the... each one of them. Yeah. So okay. do I do it chronologically? We do Isfan five, and uh, then why don't we why don't we build why don't we build up? We'll do Isfan five. We'll do Shattered Legions, and Grammaticus. And then we'll do we'll do Vulcan at the end. We'll go all out on Vulcan. Right, talk good. about his character. So, and Isfan Five will be relatively short, I think. So, the Salamander's perspective on Istvan Five, pretty miserable. Yeah, you know, um, fighting the Death Guard. And first off, give me your thoughts on it because you might have a little bit more positivity because i'm gonna come in with just some nitpicking in a minute no it, it, it was terrible it was just um uh, an uphill not only was it an uphill battle but like the whole um if you, if you know well few listeners know anything about tactics the, the main problem with the blitzkrieg was the fact that the armored contingent and the infantry got separated and that's exactly what happens here like vulcan just sprints ahead with his um with his, you know, pyre, 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 pyre guard. guard? Yeah, yeah, with his pyre guard in tow. And they just get this massive hole in between their main force and Vulcan. Uh, and not, not only that, the scouts do the same thing, but even further up. <laughs> so it's like, they all get separated and picked apart. Uh, and then, you know, at the very end, there's a, a, little, a little moment. <laughs> that, you, you know, being separated actually kind of saves them um because of that particular moment but as a saves who in particular uh the the boys in the second part of the story oh, okay the lads the lads the lads. yeah the lads on tour <laughs> okay yeah so by terrible you mean in terms of the war fighting yeah. it was miserable in terms of not str- the strategy not the writing no okay. no no uh, yeah i mean what what i found and you know it didn't really break anything for me but what i found what i find kind of annoying about istvan 5 is now this is probably just part of a process they probably i think they learned better for siege of terror but it was just like there doesn't until the black book is basically on on istvan 5 um that covers it in great detail seems to lay out the concrete here's where people were and then all the novels are just like i uh, don't give a shit mate if they're gonna be here and they're gonna be here and now who knows if there was like a map in the writer's room that said this is where everyone's gonna be but it's so 
from my understanding, from sort of north to south, top to bottom, you have the World Eaters and the Sons of Horus at the top fighting the Raven Guard. And then the Sons of Horus kind of go into the Emperor's Children um, against the Iron Hands, which is pretty definitive because of Fulgrim. That's pretty easy to cover. And then the left, the Loyalist left flank or the south, as we see it looking at a north to south map, is the Death Guard and the Salamanders. So when Angron just shows up out of nowhere in front of Vulcan, it's kind of like, hmm, how does, is he just like, he, he's legged it. He's gone on a brisk walk the entire, like, you know, length of the battlefield to come down to the other side and try and fight Vulcan. So I found that, I found that kind of weird. I, maybe I'm being too nitpicky here, Varela, but I feel like the scale of the battle that Isfan 5 is, it'd be like a few hours for Angron to yomp down to, well, maybe not a few hours, but it would be a bit out of place for Wildey to, to be on one flank and suddenly on the other, you know? So that was not, for me kind of knocked me knocked me a little bit okay so i just pulled up a map because there is a map of the the whole thing that's right it's from the black book yeah yeah uh okay I, I'm, I'm looking here and from what i can see um damn i can barely see to be fair <laughs> hold up let me try and uh try and get this oh all right but i'm pretty confident the world eaters and death guard are on the polar opposites of each um, side of a battle. Yeah, I can't really read the... Um... Just go off the symbols. Yeah, no, no, yeah, but the thing is, the symbols are... <laughs> I don't recognize well, believe the symbols. Me. Yeah, no, it does look like the uh, World Eaters and and the Death Guard are on opposite ends, so it is kind of yeah. weird. And for me, Angron didn't... It, the, the weird thing is... Now, I'd have to look at the release date for the Black Books and the novels... But it kind of feels like, you know, it's just one of those Warhammer things, isn't it? There's no canon, necessarily. Stuff changes. Um, but uh, he, he didn't really add anything by being there, Angron. Like, if it was Mortarion facing off, because that's where Mortarion would have been, right? Among the Death Guard. And he sort of, like, comes out and cuts a few people up and then he runs away again. Um, whereas Angron's like, come here, Vulcan. And then what even happens again? I don't even artillery remember. strike or something but uh yeah i i think the real interest for me happens where i mean the left flank sounds awful just like you know in terms of like tens of thousands of everyone's got flames uh and we're gonna fight each other now that sounds pretty miserable but then you have the the latter part the betrayal where vulcan gets tactical nuked basically i mean all the salamanders do you know basically the iron warriors start shooting the place up don't they and someone some iron warriors like how many kills am i on 25 oh yeah tactical nuke <laughs> press the button incoming Let's go. incoming and uh and destroys everything and i thought that was cool i thought like the carnage was um sort of well displayed and it's hard you know it's hard to really do a battle like isfam 5 justice because it's so big um if you think about it in terms of like actual numbers i mean it's not it's not omaha beach it's it's normandy you know it's the whole shebang in terms of scale so but it was like you had like tank command you know all the tanks were busted up and the salamanders were in full retreat and we start to see um that's when we get the boys don't we poor yeah, skatava poor skatava man 
that was pretty that was a pretty rough part yeah that, i think that passage alone gave me probably bumped the book up a few points because they're uh, like because uh, i think skatavar and leodrak are our like actual Amazon brothers and, uh, like yeah, yeah genetic brothers um or biological sorry and skatavar is buried under mounds of other dead space marines he's blind and he's bleeding out Leo Drac has no idea so they uh, Numion as commander of a pyre guard has to make the decision to leave him behind and I was like that was rough that was rough for that guy but Kurz was like mm, don't worry Vulcan you don't have to uh, you get a chance to say goodbye I'll dig up his dead corpse for you but I mean that's part of that's for that's another, for the other. Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's for the uh, later part of the episode. But yeah, I mean, it's on five from a new perspective. In a way, now it's kind of getting a little bit rinse and repeat for me. In a way, because it's kind of like, oh, what's going to happen now? Or oh, they're running back towards the Iron Warriors. Oh, I wonder Uh-oh. what's going to happen. Yeah, so always the Iron Warriors as well. Wait, is, no that, one's is, ever... that, is that Civilization Gandhi? <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was, um, was there anything else from this fan that was of particular interest? Uh, I, I guess Nemetor's essentially suicide charge into the gas. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah. the, as you said, the salamanders were really in the worst part of the fighting because on one side, uh, they had some dudes that are, you know, obsessed with poison and like chemical warfare, like the, the shittiest kinds of weapons possible and then when they retreat they, they retreat into the guys that that have like the entire u.s nuclear arsenal you know so like bruce robin just yeah. went like "Ooh, i just got the, the launch codes let's fucking do it you know does, uh, Vul- does vulcan get nuked twice yeah i think uh i think he gets it once um he gets one right at the start of the book, but he obviously also gets it later on in this fan. He gets it in the battle, and then he gets it afterwards when he's cradling Nemator, which obviously covers this fan five. Yeah, so obviously then at the end of the battle, we see Vulcan recovers from his tactical nuke treatment and finds himself walking among the dead of, of his legion, and he sees uh, Nemator son of a bitch who just didn't know when to uh he didn't know when to stop really he kept a, he kept attacking but he was at he was at Vulcan's side at the end and yeah we get a very cool badass scene but it's obviously right at the start of the book which is sort of him absolutely laying the smack down on the traitors and I get yeah I think he gets I think they nuke him again so that they can get hold of him uh <laughs> the desperate times call for desperate measures I guess Double radiation poisoning never hurt nobody. <laughs> yeah, intentionable. Intentionable. Yeah, so, I mean, that that covers this fan five, which I think is the smallest part of what we'd want to cover. The next is the lads, 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 on tour. The boys. On Trioris. In terms of the three segments, I'm guessing it's pretty easy to rank each one, right, Varela? I think these fan five segments are probably at the bottom and then the lads are probably is probably like the second best part of the book maybe and then Vulcan and Kurz 
is like the piece de resistance, at least for me. I'm going to be honest. Um, it, it depends on what you're ranking it on, but like just overall, I think that the boys, the boys, you like the were, lads on tour, yeah, more. yeah, the, the Interesting. lads <laughs> were at the top there. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I mean, it was actually quite, um, it was like a lot of intense set pieces almost, uh, throughout their, their time. So obviously they're, they're hunting down an apostle and don't worry. We know that the rat Supreme is in this book. We'll get to him. Don't worry. But, but we're hunting down a lesser rat. At least the lads are on Trioris. They're hunting down a guy called Elias, who in turn is hunting John Grammaticus, who was hunting a rock <laughs> or or at least a sharp rock um, that turns out to be pretty powerful but yeah this w- yeah why don't you take us away a little bit what what did you like about um, the lads on tour what did you what did you think of John Grammaticus because this is the first time you've seen him as a character uh, I-, I thought John Grammaticus w- was really like I-, I guess it would be what I expected of him he's like I know I can't die so I don't give a shit anymore <laughs> And, he, you know, he's really knowledgeable about all that is Space Marine and stuff. Like, the second he sees them, he's like, oh, that's that Legion. Mm. Or, oh, that's that unit, right? Uh, and I guess that's what you'd expect off a guy that's lived multiple lives at this point, right? And that just doesn't care. And while other humans in the face of Legionaries would go like, oh, no, please don't hurt me. John Grammaticus is just like, what do you want? <laughs> you yeah, know? he's like, I'm so over it. Yeah, I'm just, I, I kind of just want to die anyways. Like, if you can do it permanently, you know, do me a favor, bro. Come on. Yes, uh, yeah. And no. yeah, like, he's really stoic in that sense where he doesn't really, you know, cower in front of the legionaries. And I think part of that, like, that is part of why he, like, Numion lets him live. Because Numion just goes like, hmm, this guy, this guy sounds like he might be important, you know? Because the only people that ever stand up to Space Marines are people of, like, high ranks or people that, uh, well, are overall very important, right? Yeah. So, so I, I guess they'd be kind of conditioned to think that he's a high-ranking uh, Imperial. Um, yeah, and the story, the story did well to not have him as some sniveling crybaby. Because, uh, and I mean, look, we, we've, you've missed basically the whole like a third of John Grammaticus's story in the heresy so far in Legion because that whole book is he's very much the main character um so we we will have to do that at some point but yeah he's a really interesting character but he's not he's a lot more like you know cruel than this um you know towards the end he's a lot more cutthroat but he He's a really interesting character. I don't, you know, not to give anything too much away, but obviously we know from this book that he's been recruited by the Cabal and we learn basically he's on a mission to acquire this Fulgurite, which is very powerful. And at the end of Vulcan Lives, there's a big revelation that his mission is in fact going to be to kill Vulcan. And that's a story for another time. But yeah, really interesting character he's got cool gadgets he's like a human who can actually hold his own which um yeah as you say i think provides a really interesting dynamic that most humans 
just start crying whenever a space marine walks into a room and get on their knees. And it's, you know, the space marines tend to only have conversations with people who can hold their own because they respect it. You know, if we look at like Loken and Mercedes Ollerton, you know, and and other characters, some really uh, interesting characters in the word bearer stories, sort of human characters that, that aren't afraid of space marines. And John Grammaticus, as you say, because he's just lived for so long. I think, you know, I mean, by comparison to some other perpetuals, he hasn't lived that long. But he uh, first nearly dies, I think. Does it say in this book? Uh, where, no, where the Cabal recruit him from? Uh, I think they recruit him, like, at the end of the Unification Wars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's yeah. injured. He's injured at the end of the Unification Wars as a soldier. He's a soldier. And, he, uh, and that's where the Cabal pick him up. And, yeah, he the whole what do you oh i mean we can have this conversation now i guess because john grammaticus is a perpetual what do you make of perpetuals do you like that in 40k and and horus heresy or do you find it a gimmick i mean i find it an interesting dynamic for a few characters they're essentially extinct in 40k now uh the only ones that might exist is vulcan and the emperor himself right but but they can't die yeah we, we well, they can die. That's why, that's why Grammaticus is tasked with killing Vulcan because you know, you just need. That's you just true. Need big, Maybe that's big why he's such power. a pessimist. That's why John Grammaticus is all miserable all the time because he's been given a job he can't do. <laughs> so, oh, you want to go kill me? You need to go kill the immortal guy. Okay, great. Oh, so you've made it. You've made me immortal, so I can go kill another immortal who can't die at all. Wow. All right. Thanks. Guess I'll spend my entire miserable life. Guess I'll not die then. Yeah, I guess I'll not die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, so you don't necessarily dislike them. No. Yeah. It's as I said. Like you can kill them. You just need to play it smart. Yeah. yeah. The. I guess it is. Is immortal and invulnerable the same thing? Immortal. Yeah. No. They're not necess- They're not necessarily immortal. Are they? They're like immune. Oh no! Well, I don't know. well they are more immortal. or less. They are yeah. mortal, but to us, they're just—they might as well be immortal because it takes a really sharp rock to kill them. Well, yeah, but if nobody interferes with it, they'll never die. You know, yeah. so they are immortal. There you go. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think that I think it's pretty. It it needed to happen in some way. I mean, no one really knows how long these primarchs could go. Uh, because in forty k. They're either demons or missing, or asleep, or in stasis, like Gilliman was. So Gilliman didn't. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it! I'm gonna dunk your head in a tin of Macrag blue, (laughs) and uh, just make you only let you listen to Blue Man Group. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tie you down, and you listen to Blue Man Group twenty four seven, whilst painting you with like a small detail brush in Macrag blue. Inch by inch, there we go. Damn, couldn't even call it ultramarine, just called it Macrag Blue. Come That's on, That's the colour. That's the colour. Macrag Blue TM, or whatever you want to say it. But you will be an ultramarine, and I'll edge highlight. I won't I won't half-ass it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, or they could be slightly... They are, he is quite generic in 40k. Horace Heresy Gilliman is on another level compared to 40k Gilliman, who's I just mean, like... 
I'm gonna be honest, God Blight Gilliman, I haven't read the book, but I've heard a lot about it, and he, he does seem interesting in God Blight, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you needed him to come back, so that other Primarchs could come back. Because whichever first Primarch came back would be in charge, right? You imagine if, like, Cor- Korax came back as, like, a bird monster, and then he's in charge of the Imperium. I don't Imagine- think that would look that wouldn't look as good on the uh, posters. Imagine if Frost came back with just a random apple and just went like, "Father, eat this," <laughs> and then it doesn't do anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> just it's funny. Yeah, he's actually he just found it in the Garden of Terror, and has been hiding out this whole time. He didn't go anywhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so p- perpetuals definitely have their use, as you say. Most of them in forty k have been poked with sharp rocks and are now dead and but not not necessarily vulcan i think vulcan is still on the cards to come back i think sanguinius and dawn and ferris manus are the only loyalists that definitely can't come back no dorn is very open because the only no, thing that, that's been dead. found is, is his hand we've only found his hand in the pain glove come on don't tell valrak don't tell <laughs> chapter master valrak you'll be your best friend forever but um yeah uh, they definitely serve their purpose and make for interesting human characters because you've got human characters that have just seen so much shit they just don't really care anymore and that adds a dynamic in itself um, obviously and to carry on then to move on from Drongomaticus to the Shattered Legions who are growing on me more and more they're so they feel so looked over um the Shattered Legions, but there's some books that really do them justice. I think this was one of them. Uh, so that obviously was a, a group at the start, at least, of Raven Guards, Iron Hands, and Salamanders. I kind of felt as we go through the book, through various firefights, we lose members, right? And it ends up just being Salamanders and one Raven Guard left, right? Uh, no, it's one Salamander, one uh, Iron Hand, and one Raven Guard. Because it's the Morlock. The Morlock makes makes it to the end. Oh, true, true. Well, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Okay, then I'll take that back. I forgot about the Morlock sniper. Um, yeah, it kind of, obviously the book's called Vulcan Lives. I kind of actually no. Do you know what? I'll take that back. I didn't even say it, and I'll take it back. Is that I think they were all balanced out and all sort of played into, but didn't go over the top in what they their legions stereotypes are or at least like what their legions are perceived to be by the at face value like i quite liked so obviously they're hunted through by this like word bearer hunter pack through the course of the book and i and like i quite like how they deal with death in different ways like the salamanders are like burn the body and then the raven guard are like well i'm gonna go over here and say some bird stuff like cacore at the sky a little bit in remembrance or whatever they did i'm gonna put some bird seed out there on top of my brother's body so you can get pecked (laughs) god (laughs) yeah a feast for the crows uh yeah and i i think they the lads 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 made uh made an interesting well-rounded group of characters and i actually thought in terms of like you know i i'm not served or anything 
but obviously as a military historian or someone who studied military history you have a sort of very face value understanding of sort of tactics and combat and is it the firefights felt like realistic as as a Horus heresy firefight could do there was like good sort of engagement movement communication it wasn't like the word bearers attacked and then everyone just slammed into each other and had a big like melee in the middle of a car park or wherever they were having their firefights um you know it's, it felt sort of weighted so obviously you know the word bearers have snipers and they're like initiating ambushes and killing people off very quickly i can't you know true word bearers to be pretty stupid as well right they're like because how many do it? they lose some right and they're like oh we're going to kill the exact number of them and then we're going to wait a bit and then we're going to kill the rest of them oh yeah I'm like, it's like a, I, I, a i'm no strategist <laughs> yeah i'm no strategist mate but if you've got them all if you've got them all in one place and you want to attack him you might as well just kill them all just one man's opinion but i, I think my zoom was lagging at the time so they didn't hear me uh, to be uh, fair even even if they wanted to do that they, they did get countered very quickly by uh shinra with the uh with the big laser yeah i kind of want those now because they're, uh, they're on forge world there's little they're a rapier little tracked thing it's basically like uh uh i think you can you ride it i'm not sure but it's mainly remote control so like a little remote control tracked kind of thing like a tiny land raider uh and it sort of drives around and then it has heavy bolters it can have multi-melters las cannons assault cannons whatever you just slap them on i just looked it up this looks stocky as hell it's like it's it looks very iron hands it looks like something the iron hands would definitely own yeah and uh yeah no no, that was that was pretty that was pretty cool because i like oh we're pinned down what we're gonna do and then the iron hand goes ha 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 remote control go and then just blows up the entire building and we love to see it when word bear, word bear is getting hurt we love to see it uh, uh, i honestly don't don't understand how neither of them died it's like oh yes there's this weapon that can literally destroy buildings but neither of them die like why they knew exactly where they were as well uh so i, I don't quite understand that part there's a lot of things in this book that, I, that don't make much sense and okay. this this was definitely one of them. Like, there's the fact that there's beakies, um, like the oh god, there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the Raven Guard are beakies, and the the beakies aren't meant to to exist yet. <laughs> so would you yeah, know, uh, yeah. Call it nitpicking, but come on, man, that that ain't that ain't good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's in the uh, in the Vulcan section, but yeah, it's kind of like he has a fever dream. Maybe he's just had a very specific fever dream that just happens to turn out to be... Or maybe Deliverance Lost was also just Vulcan's massive fever dream. Maybe it's all Vulcan's fever dream. Yeah, maybe Vulcan is just like this sick kid that's just imagining a whole world. and that's. I can't, wait, I can't wait for that revelation in the final ten, uh, ten words of the uh, Siege of Terror finale. Yeah, it's just that... And oh, then, by the Vulcan, way. then Vulcan awoke... Vulcan in his pod and it was all a dream oh no not his pod though it was like in a hospital ward and he's just like it's like a current day hospital ward you know Doraemon style if you know if you know oh, what I just like went out the night before and got plastered <laughs> in like 
Norwich or something. It's just some yeah, yeah. British bloke. <laughs> oh, dude, he doesn't even wake up in the hospital ward. He wakes up inside a games workshop shop. Excuse me, you can't sleep here, mate. He's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. I imagined the whole thing. Damn. Yeah. Hey, never say never. <laughs> it's not. It's not over until the page is written. Come on, come on, Dan. You can pull it off. I believe. If anyone, as Gray McNeil said on the special, that'd be some pretty heavy meta gaming that Black Library were doing. And if there's one person <laughs> who could pull it off, it's Dan Abnett. So if he writes the final book, Varela, fingers crossed. It was all a dream. The whole law. Can you imagine? Imagine Warhammer Twitter if they did that. The biggest right. conspiracy theory ever to be created right here. There you go. That would have been a hell of an, uh, a theory for the theory special. Um, but yeah, back to the lads. Uh, were there any? Who is your favorite lad? Oh, my favorite, my favorite lad, my favorite lad on tour. Domatas, I like Domatas a lot. He was pretty, pretty tight, you know. Uh, he was like the quartermaster, and he was, he was an iron hand, you know. He, he had no humor, but he also had humor at the same time. I, I, I just thought he was funny, honestly. Yeah, I quite liked um, Shenra being sent to operate on someone. Why? Because he fixes other stuff. Yeah. So he can just give this a go. The human body can't be that different to your little remote control car you left behind. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there, but, sh- there should be a circuit board right here. Let me check. Oh, wait, that's your heart. Hmm. Hold on. It's like, mm, I need to, uh, I'd like to think it was like, because obviously Grammaticus is a perpetual, right? So he's coming back, whatever. So I like to think that they were actually operating on him and they were like, okay, we need to make a small incision to open up the wound and see what's inside. And Shemra's like, okay, got it. And then he just uses a las cutter. And then that big tech marine claw, all the tech marines have, just goes and just sort of extends. And John Grammaticus is just like, on the, uh, on the slab, just getting absolutely, just reformed like Frankenstein's monster by the tech marine comes out with his like the wrong leg on each side he's got his right <laughs> right leg on his left and vice versa yeah i got like a bolt holding his head together that's why they all want to kill him when he comes back to life it's not the fact that he came out to life it's because he's just completely like <laughs> he's just, just all the wrong way before. around yeah his head's on backwards and like shemra's like i did my best i did what i could <laughs> brothers <laughs> Hey. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, continuing yeah, but, on, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was the attitude of the salamanders as well. Um, they go over the course of a book. They go as basically Numion is like the always sunny in Philadelphia meme with all the um, with like the conspiracy theory on the wall, trying to tell everyone that Vulcan lives. And then, you know, we they basically have almost every all of the Shattered Legion, all of the lads have that sort of defeatist blaze of glory sort of policy going on. Ironically, basically everyone gets that. That the attitude changes but the outcome doesn't. You know, at the start of a book they're like, My Primarch dead, my Legion dead, time to die and they wanna go and just get in a massive firefight and you know die take out as many of them as they can essentially exactly and that's why they're there because they track this weirdo 
rat man that uh, that they heard about. And they're like, well, might as well do something significant and stop this guy from doing whatever weird stuff he's up to on this world because Trioris was sort of like a neutral world. Um, and then to, they go from that to, at the end of the book, believing in Vulcan, living, believing in John Grammaticus, bad idea. Uh, but still, most all of them dying, basically, in a blaze of glory to led by Leo Drac to at the spaceport basically just to draw attention away so that they can get back to their ship that they've uh, stored out in the desert at least um, Numion Grammaticus uh, how do you say his name? the Raven Guard uh, Riak that's how I say, say it I don't Riak. know yeah good job yeah that was how the narrator said it as well Riak yeah and Demard no not Demardus Pagellan can go out into the desert and escape and they all shout Vulcan lives a lot. So, at least this book... Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, most books have a reference to their title in the Horus Heresy, don't they? That actually happens a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Horus Rising doesn't. False Gods does. So. Yeah, False Gods does, I think. Does it? Okay. Galaxy in Flames, I don't think does. No, it definitely does. Because they, they, um, when they reference the war... Uh, they go like, oh, yeah, we're going to engulf the galaxy in flames, something like that. And then, quite literally, like the Eisenstein flies yeah. in space. Yeah, like the Eisenstein so flies, so the flight of the Eisenstein, it makes sense. And Vulcan does live in this book, because obviously he's a character. So that Deliverance go, lost doesn't make sense, because they never lost Deliverance, right? Uh, like, yeah. what's that about? That sounds cool. I Some, guess so. The, sometimes, sometimes they just have to sound cool. Um, yeah, and we and we have a final confrontation, don't we, out in the desert between? I mean, it's like a what a three-way confrontation, you or four-way technically, because they have a fight. Basically, the word bearers are split in two by the end of the book, because you have um, uh, or Narik and Elias basically split, don't they? So like Narik's is Narik doing uh, it on his own? Yeah, because Narek had a, like, life debt to uh, Elias, but he saved him, so he just, like, leaves. And then uh, yeah. th there's three different fights between four sides uh, in that desert at the end. Uh, you got Pregelan versus Narek. You got... That was a cool moment. Let's talk about that. Because oh, okay. that was very cool, wasn't it? We'll yeah, go through them one good. by one. The sort of uh, ominous... He's behind you. Yeah, you haven't been to a British pantomime. Do you know what a pantomime is? I have no idea. It's like a play, mainly for kids, usually done around Christmas, and it'll be like uh, a take on like Peter Pan or something. But it's all like about there's a lot of audience interaction. So like the bad guy will be very obviously sneaking up behind the main character, and the main character standing there like Dora the Explorer. Like, can you see anything wrong with this? And then the kids will shout, "He's behind you!" And then. And then he turns around and he's like, oh, he's there. And it was kind of like that. But, oh uh, my God, he's behind me. Who could have told him? I would say I'd take you to one if you ever come to the UK, but that was <laughs> two, grown, two grown men on their own at the pantomime. Probably not. It'd be a bit weird. So, um, Come on, no. man. I want to shout at Dora, but I want her to actually listen to me. <laughs> you just start cursing at her. <laughs> like, come Dora, on. God damn it. Just the the fuck thing, up. dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh... But it was kind of like that, wasn't it? He's like, oh, I can't, you know, oh, I know he's who's behind him. 
and Narek's just too he's too confident I actually quite like Narek he's kind of like a cool word, word bearer um, and we haven't covered them yet but I can't quite tell if these guys are like possessed like some of the word bearers are or just because they're, they're just getting a bit weird because of all the worshipping they're doing Yeah, but I, a lot of them are developing I, horns aren't they and stuff yeah I think Narek's a weird case because Elias says that he's been touched by the warp right but he doesn't actually believe in the pantheon nor does he do any weird stuff so mm. I, I don't quite understand how he's touched by the warp there's another thing, another little detail that kind of caught me off about the boys you know the the boys part of the book it's it's weird and I don't quite yeah, understand it it's probably just Elias just saying whatever he needs to to stay alive uh, I, I mean, you I know, guess. he's a word bearer, man. They're he's not meant rat. to make sense. Yeah, you understand rats now, do you? I uh, 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 no comment. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, no, Na- Narek and Pagelan have this cool face off. Narek's like, "How do you want to do this?" Pagelan's like, mm, "I don't know. I've only got a sniper, so I guess I'm gonna." What did they actually go for? Do they go for blades? Uh, he says, yes, and bolt pistol or blades. And yeah. then Pregillan says, blades. And then they both pull out their bolt, bolt pistol. So I was very confused. <laughs> so so I, I, that part kind of went fast for me. But maybe someone tried to pull a sneaky on someone else. I think Pregillan tries to pull a sneaky on Narek. But Narek's too fast. No, because supposedly they both reach down at the same time. But Narek's faster. I, I don't know. Maybe Pergelin tried to pull a fast one, but Narek's like... Well, maybe they Ooh. were reaching for their blades. Maybe. There you go. Oh, we know... I don't think we get any details, do we? We just know that Narek wins. Yeah, we, we just... That was quite cool. That was a good way yeah. of delivering that. It was just like, Narek was faster. It was like, okay, cool. Big iron on his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did not need... Didn't need a big in-depth description of that fight. So, set us up. What's the, what's the next fight of the four that are going on the, at the same time the next fight is you got one rat scurrying for his cheese but there's a bigger rat that smells the cheese and then the bigger rat teleports down and it's 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 an it's intense they have a, a rat stare off and then that's at the of, end that's the yeah. last fight yeah that's wait no but no 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 not necessarily the last fight okay i'll give you the benefit of a doubt all right all right and and um yeah, they he kind of just stabs him, doesn't he? Yeah, because obviously, so like Elias, big Erebus makes a couple of cameos at the start of a book and sort of halfway through. But basically, Elias plans to usurp Erebus and become the head honcho. And it's like, how are you going to... I mean, mate, come on. He's the rat king. You're not going to be able to do anything about that. You're just a little rat. You're like... What's his name from Ratatouille? trying to like it'd be like if that guy tried to usurp his dad as rat king it's just not going to work because you're a bit weak so yeah and the um erebus just comes through the portal with his little anaphame that he's cut and then he's just like bye elias don't need you uh that one was a very short fight but basically you know don't start none won't be none isn't it brother yeah elias started some and he got um, it. <laughs> he got it. Uh, okay, next fight. Next fight. Th- th- this one wasn't as much of a fight as it was just, ah, uh, yes, I'm actually a rat. Bye. It-, it was just 
Grammaticus with his yeah. like ring laser just goes like yeah actually like bye and just shoots him in the eye and starts running away that was big treachery man yeah i like i rate it because it actually caught me off guard i genuinely thought there was going to be like some friendly understanding and the salamander and the human were gonna be just like i was just like i think i was cleaning cleaning you know doing the vacuuming at the time i was like okay okay and then it was like this vivid description of Numion's eye getting burnt out. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. Wait, <laughs> like, what just happened? Oh, God, John, I gotta why go you back. do this? Rewind, rewind. <laughs> exactly. I was like, hang on. Let me get this straight. So I went back and I listened again. And yeah, and then John Grammaticus is like, ka-chow. <laughs> Zaps his eye out. But I mean, it does make sense. I don't think Numion would agree very, very much with his mission uh, of, you know, uh, killing like... Vulcan. <laughs> yeah can you imagine that conversation if they're like it's all hunky-dory and then numion's in the storm bird with him and they're flying off he's like well then what is our mission and then john grax is like we're going to kill a vulcan <laughs> and he's like oh, what wait you've just told me you've just told me he lives and now you want to kill him ah yeah that's yeah. it and then then he shoots him in the eye <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it's just a description of a storm bird flying away and a green man falling back towards towards the planet yeah so obviously i guess it had to happen given what grammaticus's mission is but uh yeah dude just the way he did it was cold dude that that's him, him all the way there that description of the stormbird flying away i just it just made me think of among us it's just just like green man green man has been ejected he's not the imposter just a, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean john grammaticus messes with your head a little bit through all the books he's in he kind of gives you a how does he actually feel about it because he's not in this book we're a couple of we've jumped ahead a little bit with john grammaticus's story my bad but we'll get the complete story in due course i'm sure uh he he's not just contacted by the cabal so the cabal's communication is this whole gimmick that i'm sure you caught on to but basically if he's in in line of sight of a reflection of any sort they can come through and contact him. So there's like, in other books, he's literally there like splashing a glass of water or splashing a puddle so that so that they can't contact him through it and stuff like that. He's, you know, because he's desperately trying to avoid them. But he's also contacted by another elder in this book who offers him a different, he offers him alternative mission. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I couldn't possibly know which books it could be or which second imperium that could take place in i have huh. to wait and see I have to wait and see all i can say is that there were ultramarines in it god damn you can't get away can't get away you can't get away from them they're everywhere it's like what? the avengers man it's like a, it's like thanos where did that lead you back to me it's just gilliman sitting on a rock the worst part is if Thanos existed in 40k and he snapped in when the Horus Heresy was happening, you'd still have like a legion worth of Ultramarines anyway. So like, <laughs> come on, man. You yeah. Can't, you can't win. <laughs> we'd still have like, what, like 120,000 Ultramarines? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. They're never going away, mate. Uh, it is inevitable. I'm just going to wear you down at this point. I've learned the strategy is not to actually plead with you to like Ultramarines now. It is just forcing good content in front of your face whilst just chipping away 
Uh, you're you're gonna play you're gonna play the curse to my Vulcan in this next exactly. part. <laughs> oh, look at oh, that what transition! A segue. What a segue! Let's go. <laughs> a lot of respect for that. Uh, yeah, I mean Vulcan, but we we got into the part that everyone likes. Um, kind of sneaky tactics from us by putting it right at the end here for you. But uh, yeah, what an in- what an I- what an interesting, uh, you know painful read in a way but in a good way like desperation sort of just absolute defeat shock horror fear you know all the emotions were felt in the parts with Vulcan and just the various tortures he was put through Um, for me personally a big one was the uh, the dining room Ah, oh, that one was yeah. Where Kurz is set up, all these people blinded them, cut their ears off. What else has he done? He cut their noses off. Uh, I I, I think I think he just blinded and deafened them, and and yeah. he cut their hands off and replaced them with cutlery. Uh, but they can't like he made it so they can't like bend their arms, I think. Yeah. So they can't feed themselves. That's right. I mean, Vulcan actually comes up with a clever idea. You know, he was like, screams. He's like constantly trying to say something the whole time. Kurz is like, look how how clever I am, Vulcan. And, you know, he screams. And then he's just like, feed each other. And Kurz is like, wow, that was nearly really clever. But I cut all their ears off. (laughs) Unlucky. Then you just got Ferris in the corner going like, weak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was really... That was a really cool dynamic as well. I don't know. I think in terms of character, Primarchs as characters, this is probably the best stuff I've ever uh, had in the Horus Heresy. I think um, there's some close seconds, surprise, surprise, written by Dan Abnett. And, you know, it involves Gilliman. But... <laughs> no, of course it would. <laughs> uh, it actually involves... It involves Kurz as well. It involves Kurt, Gilliman, Kurz and the Lion and Sanguinius. Uh, some of the best primark writing but this this definitely takes a cake and is why i gave it oh, i really should have given it in the eights I, i'm not going to change it because that was what my gut feeling was but yeah the the interactions between kurz and vulcan through this sort of storyline and we learn a lot about kurz don't we yeah definitely uh, well it's mainly what we already know to be fair which is that he's a sadistic you know piece of crap uh but like we also learn why he's a sadistic piece of crap i guess right like as in your psyche is completely broken um i think sorry go on i i still kind of think that conrad kurz actually has like multiple personality disorder because at some points he's just like oh yeah kill me i don't want to be like this anymore and at some points he's just like i want more blood you know um, yeah, I, I think it's like you have Conrad Kurz and you have the Night Haunter. You have both of them, and they're like kind of fighting for dominance, and one just wants to die, and the other one wants to kill. It felt like that, didn't it? In the final confrontation they have at the heart of the labyrinth. Yeah, I think Vulcan's like pleading with him, isn't he? And Kurz snaps and he screams, "I am the Night Haunter." It's like kind like a it's like a golem vibe, isn't it? It's like a golem Smeagol kind of vibe. Yeah. They, they both kind of want the same thing. But uh, yeah, no, Kurz is, Kurz is the best Primarch not to get his own book 
in the Horus Heresy? Because a load of them don't get their own books like about their legion. But um, and Kurz Kurz doesn't get his own book through the entire. He's he features in a lot of them, but I think he's such so, he's such an interesting character because he's a guy who he's also got foresight. I don't know if that's a shock to you. No, I already knew that. Okay, good. But um, yeah, so he's he knows how everything's going to happen, and he's just manipulating it to have as much. I don't know. He's just like he's just doing doing it for the sake of doing it in a way. It doesn't really feel like he's got a motive. I think he's just a broken man who gets overtaken by the Night Haunter, and then the Night Haunter is just doing as sadistic a thing as possible with what he knows he can do. Um, yeah, and I mean that whole maze, and then and then you know you've got Ferris almost as like a an extra character who's basically serving as Vulcan's consciousness, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think it might even be like an actual fragment of Ferris, but Vulcan's just going like, because I'm, I'm going to elaborate on that real quick. I, I thought Go for, it. for the longest part that he was actually like a demon. Uh, okay. That, I, I don't know if it would be Kurz or one of the other Primarchs that actually planted in Vulcan's mind, right? Mm. I, 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 I legitimately thought that he was like, not possessed, but... He had him living rent-free in his head, which he technically yeah. did anyways, right? Yeah. Uh, but in the absence of that, I, I honestly believe that it might actually be a fragment of Ferris Manus. Pro probably the part that, that was, like, really hot-headed during Isfan itself. And it was just like, oh, you didn't follow me. You're weak. Weak. Because ah. a lot of the things that uh, he says, Vulcan has act no actual way of knowing. There, there's a bunch of information that Ferris Manus gives him that he can't know you know that's right so, so like it, it definitely feels like it's a separate entity but just kind of living with Vulcan uh, but Vulcan just sees that as a part of his con conscious uh, conscience yeah yeah consciousness consciousness I guess yeah so, so it, it was like this kind of weird thing um that I'm yeah I'm just not sure what it's meant to be <laughs> I think it yeah I think it's his self-conscious uh manifested through his insanity cuz he's it goes it it deteriorates with his well it could be a number of things I think Nick Kime has done a great job of leaving that open to interpretation cuz it's um partly you could say it's his sanity that's that may be um, that might be the best one in a way the easiest way to say it because it deteriorates as Vulcan is constantly pressed and pressed and just slowly chipped away at um, and he finds uh, he finds his sanity right at the end right when he gets Dawnbringer in his hands he sees Ferris as he remembers him you know pre-Istvan yeah and and that's basically him having that moment of clarity, beating the snot out of Kurz and saying, you know, I live, bye. But then obviously, right at the end of a book, I, you know, essentially, because I've read what happens next, but not read this, I can tell you that, you know, that flight down where we get a very vivid description of Vulcan, what happens to Vulcan's body as he enters atmosphere. Basically, he loses all of what he's just gained. 
you know, it takes everything for him to escape from Kurs, and then when he comes back down onto the planet, basically atomized, he uh, he's lost all of that sanity going forward, and that's you know, it's an interesting look in the in the next book, which is I won't spoil it. I won't spoil where where it is, but we will cover it. Uh, another thing about yeah. that last part is that uh, I actually thought. Um, I'm sorry, you were about to say something, but like, no, 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 go for it. Right. Um, like I actually thought, you know how they keep uh, referencing that the uh, like locket that Numion has actually has a purpose. Yeah. I actually thought that that was like the beacon for the teleporter, and that he was just gonna pop up and yeah. beat the snot out of Erebus or something. That was a uh, gotcha moment. Well, no, it's I think Erebus arrives because it, it's meant he cut so Erebus uses I don't think Erebus t- teleports Erebus uses uh, an anaphanamami an, an blade anaphame blade that that blade can be used to cut open reality and step through it um, and, and basically teleport much easier but obviously it's via the warp so it does crazy stuff to you um so I think it's sort of Numion. Yeah, I really thought that was going to happen. I thought Vulcan was going to come and beat the snot out of Elias, but then obviously it turns out to be Erebus using a a, a blade to teleport. Um, I don't know. I think it was clever. I think it's clever writing more than just a um, a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't really know why Numion said it at that specific moment. I imagine that's just... I, I reckon once Grammaticus told him he was alive, it was just the, the third word, the third phrase Numion said every minute was just, Volker lives. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. Because he even confronts someone at some point, doesn't he? Is it Leodrak, maybe? But he doesn't quite confront it. It's after everybody goes like, okay, maybe he lives, and Numion just goes like, do you actually believe that? Leo you Rack didn't like, say the words. Say you didn't say the words. Do you mean it? No, I, I, I did say it, didn't I? And he's like, that's not what I asked. I asked yeah. whether you meant it. And he's like, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a, a weird confrontation. And Numion, Numion was definitely a weird character, you know? He's just like, Vulcan lives. I have no evidence for this. I, I just have this locket and the feeling. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, he's just Vulcan's right hand man, isn't he? So he, yeah. he, uh, he believes a lot. I mean, look, we're, we're obviously we'll, st- we'll stay on Vulcan a little bit. Well, God, we we skipped over Karatan. I think that kind of fell in between the cracks of when we were planning the three segments. But that's Great Crusade. Uh, do you you quite like seeing Great Crusade stuff, don't you? Yeah, that's pretty. I feel good. like you've said that before. Yeah, Vulcan kills kids. Not so. Uh, I mean, a bit of a statement there, but he's you know not not such a nice Primarch in it after all. I mean, Vulcan that was pretty kills cool. A kid. Well, that's just one that we know of. Yeah, he might have done it before. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I mean that's Vulcan. At you know, it shows. I think that shows the salamanders actually, it, and their personality is very caring but actually very you know can be very temperamental at the same time very volatile right yeah yeah um i feel like a lot of that's a lot of space marine legion's traits though it's just volatile like world eaters iron hands salamanders volatile but uh yeah so obviously karatan is i think vulcan 
is in real conflict on Karatan, or, or at least the aftermath of it, because Kurz does a really good job by doing some really horrible stuff. Because he, they, what do they, they basically go in there, terrorize and butcher half a city, and then the other half gives up without a fight. Not half a city. They terrorize an entire city, so the other cities give up. Is that right? Is that my bad? Yeah. I misread it. it, it hey, well, there you go. And then it doesn't matter, because as you said, Kurz goes like, oh, you're you're like me, and to prove it, he mercs everyone. Like, it, it didn't matter. In the matter. ships. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, yeah. pr- I proved you wrong. My method worked bloodlessly, but actually, I killed everyone anyways. Screw you, I guess. But, yeah. He's chaotic evil, isn't he? Yeah. Kids? He just um, just com- goes completely lucrative, like just crazy man on you. Uh, yeah, and it, so you see, well, that's basically Kurz's whole objective with his time with Vulcan is he's just trying to make. I I don't know. It's so hard to tell. I think he's such an interesting character. I think maybe Kurz is trying to make Vulcan just. He's just trying to prove that people are like him and that he's maybe not alone. Which is a really, you know, upsetting way of look, thinking about Kurz, I guess, because he's just like, I'm, I'm so lonely in this state, and I just, and then the Night Haunter takes over, and he's like, well, if you're lonely, let's just turn everyone else into Night Haunters, and we can all be Night Haunters together. <laughs> look, remember that time you killed an Eldar kid, Vulcan? That was pretty weird. It was pretty wacky. Maybe you should just be weird all the time with me. I like weird stuff. I don't think it's necessarily a friend. lonely thing, though. I think it's more of a justifying his actions thing. Because if if someone else does it, right, then then it's like mm. it's not a it's not an outlier anymore. So you can just go like, ah, see, I'm normal. This is normal human behavior. He says as he skins someone alive. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. It's like, come on, Dad. You can't have a go at me. Vulcan made s'mores out of our Eldar kid. <laughs> <laughs> she was surrendering and he made a s'more out of her god damn it I get to skin my kids but that was a uh... oh, so, uh, and he's blown up Nostromo at that point right yeah 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 he just like he's gone full because he was like everybody's a degenerate except for me so he just gets on a stormbird and drops a bomb I guess <laughs> yeah just what a wild guy he needs I don't know he needs like a he needs a spin-off series almost, because he's just so he's just such a crazy. I mean, he's it's dead just a sitcom. Law, but, it's a Conrad Chris yeah. sitcom. <laughs> there's a there's a really good series, actually. Of uh, what's it called? It's got Alan Tudyk or what, however you call it. But basically, he plays like an alien who came to blow up the Earth, but his ship crashed, and so he's basically this like chaotic evil. I oh, know he's like chaotic good because he's like he's he's like trying to blow up the earth and he lands in like Wyoming so he's like part he's just like ends up you know disguising himself as a human and he kills the human that he disguises himself as and then tries to like fake it till he makes it and it's um I feel like that'd be a re- same vein for Conrad Kurz is just sort of like him in like small town suburbia just going chaotic every now and then and then everyone goes oh conrad laugh track oh uh, conrad you killed half the town (laughs) again (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he's uh he's a really interesting character and he makes he makes a better character out of vulcan and their story is not over i'll definitely say that 
uh, and we will get to cover that at some point. But as uh, as we're pushing time, do you have any further remarks about either Vulcan? Well, let's, you know, is there anything else about Vulcan you'd like to add before we open it up to Varela's Mad Minute? Surprisingly, no. I don't even think I need a Mad Minute. There is that, okay. that um, the like the suit he's stuck in, I guess. We didn't talk about that. Oh, God. Yeah, that was weird. It, it kind of confuses I mean, me because he sees Nemator, right? But Nemator is yeah. dead. So what happened? They probably Kurt's probably strapped a Night Lord up in it, didn't he? Maybe. He's like, run around in this. No, it's, a, yeah. it's an Alpha Legionnaire. Hold up. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine? They're everywhere, that's, man. That's They're the, uh, yeah, those are, that's where the Alpha Legionnaires that, that don't impress the Primarchs go. They get sent to like the world to try and infiltrate the World Eaters and the Night Lords. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Damn. Kurz is like, you're going to dress up in this suit and you're going to go stand here and nothing bad will happen, I promise. And then he just walks away cackling. And you're like, hmm. But Lord, a, this is just skin. And then, giant, and then Vulcan just in an 18 wheeler with blades on it, just <laughs> screeching down the corridor, and you got to fight him. Yeah, that was wild. I, mean, you know, it's without going into every page of torture in the book, it's absolutely crazy. And Perch, we got, you know, had something to take into account when we cover books with Perturabo in it. Is uh, he made the Iron Labyrinth bit of a weird Donny as well. Um, yeah, like, so what's going on in that guy's head? Yeah, don't really want to find out. <laughs> Man's got exactly. some mental illness swimming about. Exactly, he's struggling. But uh, yeah, I think I think we've actually done a pretty good job of covering all the sort of main bases and giving our opinion a little bit there. Uh, we didn't really get hung up on anything, which is good. So um, yeah, I think great success. Yes. And that brings about the end of season three of Horus Hour. Well, applause, uh, little applause, you know. Got it. Yes. <laughs> Got back myself here. But uh, yeah, thank you, everyone who's persisted with us and continued to listen. I think we're getting, we're really getting going now. If you, if we, you know, if we went back and listened to episode one, which is basically us reading, like just doing Horus, Horus Rising page for page. And then we jump to where we're at now. I think we've come a long way in terms of entertainment value. At least I think so. And uh, Varel has found his voice. So maybe next time we interview an author. Wait, I have a voice? Yep. Who just oh, gains, oh no. Varel has just gained self-awareness. <laughs> I'm going to gonna have to wipe the hard drive and start again with my new AI. But uh, yeah, big things coming for season four. Back-to-back bangers. We'll be working on some other side projects as well to show you. We're going to do, uh, we've obviously got to cover, we've got to do an August Patreon video, which we've got a cool idea for. And uh, yeah, season four will be coming soon. We'll start Rumor Engine uh, for a week after this episode. We'll even do a trailer as well for the new series because I I can't, you know, it's, it's just bangers. Um, and I want to do them justice. So, from me, your host for the season three finale, it's goodbye. And from Varela. I'll see you. Goodbye now.